welcome back to another episode of Dating Intentionally. I'm your host, Talia, aka your dating app partner in crime. If you're new to the show, welcome. On Dating Intentionally, I'm helping you get to know yourself better so you can date in a way that truly aligns with your goals and values, and of course, have fun in the process. I'm new to podcasting and always love your feedback, so if you have any thoughts on this episode or any episode you listen to, slide into my DMs on Instagram at dating.intentionally, or if you like this podcast, share it with someone who's out there on the apps navigating dating and maybe they might need a little confidence boost. We're here for it. Today's episode is a little different. As you may or may not know, I've been recording episodes featuring guests who are actively dating and can speak to situations that I know nothing about, like dating in a larger body, dating as an introvert, dating as a person of color, and in today's case, dating as a 42-year-old divorced father with two young boys living in Melbourne, Australia. You're going to hear the whole conversation today we had about dating, and if you stick around at the end, I'm sharing a funny story that happened over Christmas. I'm really excited to bring active daters onto the podcast because I often get asked about tips for dating scenarios that I have absolutely no experience in. Instead of bringing on experts, I'm bringing you real dating stories from folks of all walks of life. And so far, all the guests I've recorded with have been so insightful. I'm really excited to share these different perspectives on dating from other intentional daters. In this episode, you're going to hear from Scott, who had been following me for a while on Instagram before applying to appear on the podcast. Scott shares all about his experience coming into the dating scene after a 10-year marriage and using apps for the first time ever in his dating life at the age of 42. I loved hearing all about this new chapter of dating for Scott and how he's navigated through the specific challenges of dating as a divorced man with kids. So let's jump right into the conversation. Here's Scott. Okay, Scott from Australia. Welcome. How are you today? I'm great, Sally. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being brave and volunteering to bear your soul on dating on this podcast. (laughs) My Um, pleasure. Yeah. Okay. Just to get familiar, can you tell us what you are looking for in dating right now? Right now, uh, I'm just looking for a long-term relationship. So I have been single now for uh, over 18 months. And um, I've primarily been using the apps to, to go about that. So, yeah, that's where I am now, and that's really what I'm looking for. Okay. And kind of give us a little snapshot of what like brought you here. How did you get here to be single for 18 months? I was previously married for almost 10 years, uh, separated during COVID, and uh, sort of went our separate ways. And uh, gravitated towards the apps. I'd heard of them, obviously, but never used them. So I hadn't been single since 2007. So wow, so a long time. How did you meet your ex partner? Uh, we just met in in the city one night. Um, oh, like okay, just, so like the real yeah. old fashioned way, not even school, not work, just okay. No, no. It, it, as I say now, in the wild. <laughs> wow. Yes. Okay. Okay. I have questions about that okay so and you have kids right yeah that's correct I have uh two boys yeah they're uh, six and eight years old respectively okay so snapshot you're single for 18 months on the apps on these streets after 10-year marriage with children wow correct yes okay so let's dive right in I'd love to know kind of if you can first of all what apps are you using right now primarily uh, actually, I'm, I'm using the three, well, the three biggest ones here, which are Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge. Um, I haven't been on Tinder for quite some time, but 
uh, on the weekend. I thought, why not? I'll jump back in. Like this and, past um, weekend? Yeah, it's this past weekend gone. And I thought I'd, why not? Um, and test it out to see if it had changed much. It hasn't, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll see how it goes That's this time so, around. Oh, okay. Okay. So can you pull up maybe your hinge profile and just kind of walk us through what does it look like right now? Like, what are your prompts? What's going on on your hinge? On my hinge, so um, the three prompts I have, um, the first one is what if I told you that I have a psychology degree, uh, which means I'll either help solve your problems or create new ones for you. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, and I actually do have a psych, psych degree, so it's it's not um, inaccurate to say that, but um, usually that gets pretty good engagement. Um, the second prompt I have is uh, don't hate me if I judge you by your favorite ice cream flavor. Just another sort of lighthearted conversational starter. Okay, so um, I just had ice cream and it was a <laughs> it was like a cookie monster. So it was like so it's like cookie dough and M and M's and like other candy. So it's like vanilla based. Are uh, you yeah, judging yeah. me right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. That's fine. That's totally okay. fine. But it's interesting the responses you get from people though, as yeah. well. They get they get really self conscious <laughs> their choices. Um, I would too. Okay, what's the third one? Uh, the third one, actually, I stole from you and I'm sort of testing out to see how it goes. It's a travel one, the random planning or, or winging, and um, that usually gets pretty good responses as well. Yeah, doesn't it? It's like, pe- it's like people fall into one camp or the other. Are you like me? Like you want someone who travels regardless? That's why I put it on my profile. Uh, sort of. I mean, I'm a little bit limited to how much I can travel now being I have kids and, and, um, co-parenting and things like that, but it is, a, like, I do like to travel. I have traveled in the past, so it is good to have someone or to meet someone that did have that, um, sort of interest as well. Very cool. Well, your profile sounds very well-rounded. I like that. It's a little bit, it's a little bit yourself, but it's also inviting conversation, which is the whole point. And I think you've nailed that. <laughs> There's a lot to go off of there between psych, ice cream, and travel. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite, yeah, when you put it like that, it's quite diverse. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I hope that listeners can take a, take a page out of your book. Okay. I want to ask you, so what was it like starting the app dating after 10 years and having never used it before? Can you tell us a little, little bit about that experience? Like what was some of the challenges you noticed right away? It was... Really strange, obviously, because I knew of them and particularly with Tinder, it's sort of been the, the lexicon. But in terms of um, using them, I, did, I had to even learn the, the user interface from scratch and, uh, you know, the swiping left, swiping right and, and what the different screens were. But, um, yeah, it was just the, the experience of it and just the, the scale of it as well, just, you know, swiping through. And that was all sort of new to me. Um, and then... Part of that is when you match and when you start to chat with people, some I, I just thought you know conversations are the line and we might might meet up or something like that. But then some will trail off and some people will disappear and and all that wonderful stuff that can happen. And so it took me a little while to sort of wrap my head around sort of not only the mechanics of the app but also just the the people involved and, and right. what's norm, normal sort of behavior, I guess. And for context, how old are you? I'm 43. You're 43. Okay, yeah. So that's always helpful to like. No, because I think using the apps in your early 20s and your age, some some of the same, some also very different like experiences. What are some of the biggest pet peeves you have on apps right now? And I'm, <clears throat> you know, I, I, and just to, for the audience, you're dating women, right? Yeah, I guess that's correct. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I mean, I haven't had too many 
bad things. So I guess really um, some of the poor com- uh, communicational flaky behaviour, although, you know, to be fair, I haven't really experienced a whole lot of this. I I, did, I have had situations where I've had um, women ask me for a second date or have made plans and then they've subsequently cancelled or ghosted or whatever. Um, but thankfully I haven't had too much ghosting either and I never, I did ghost when I was younger, but I would never do that now. So I'm, I'm very big on being open um, and honest. But I think it's still evident as well that people are a little bit uncomfortable to have challenging conversations and it's sort of one of the things, instead of having that uncomfortable feeling, they prefer just not to say anything and that's why they they ghost, I guess. And Can you, can you um, talk a little more about that? Like what challenging conversations are you referring to? I think it's just around if someone, it's probably more so when you've met someone in person that if you um, don't want to see them again, some people just don't know how to articulate that or they don't want to experience that feeling of letting someone down so they just try and avoid it altogether and I know from my experience I hate sort of turning someone down I, I'd almost be the one that received it and to have give it to someone else um, I don't think you're sure. alone there yeah mm. <laughs> it sucks um, it is it's, it's good I, that you don't yeah you do that you will still step up and communicate when it's not going to work for you yeah I just try and be as polite as possible and, and even though I don't I don't like doing it, I think it's better in the long run just to let people know and to be honest almost universally response you get people are fine with it and they just appreciate that you let them know such is the nature of ghosting this these days so right yeah how long did you wait between like getting like your separation and getting back on the apps uh, I think it was around uh, six months maybe a little over six months okay did you have just like a day where you were like okay I'm ready you know what was that like? uh, i wasn't quite like that i guess we made the decision to separate it was sort of a multi-month discussion around separating and then when we did it sort of around the middle of 2021 and then it was um the start of 2022 that i thought okay i'll i'll sign up to these and see how this goes yeah well yeah what was your mindset uh, i was pretty open-minded i mean i guess i still am now but i'm little bit um in a different space now but I I was very open-minded and I just I really didn't know what to expect um my only frame of reference was dating back in my late 20s (laughs) from 2007 or something like that so uh that's so uh, different oh my gosh (laughs) it was it was sort of in the times different it's also I'm in a different stage of life dating different women who were um older and more mature as hopefully I'm also more mature as well um but also people people with um with kids and parents that sort of thing it's a whole different dynamic so yeah can um, you talk about that like how does that how when do you bring up that whole situation and it's like are it's on your profile assume that you have kids absolutely how does that conversation go yeah I'm very very honest and upfront I have that in my bio in both Tinder and, and Bumble, um, you know, they're my proud father of two boys. And then I try and bring that up pretty early on, not only to select them know in case they missed it, which is sometimes the case that people don't always um, pick up things in your profile, but also to just have that discussion, make sure they're comfortable because I've had situations where women have either wanted to cancel before the first date because they realised they just said, oh, I don't want to date someone with kids. Or even after I've gone on a date, they said, actually, I'm, that's not really for me dating someone with kids. So That's a bummer. Yeah, which is a little bit disappointing. But, I mean, it is what it is. And that's why I just try and be um, as honest as upfront as I can. So we're all on the same page from the beginning. Uh, and and then I think a critical thing, sort of an extension of that, is to have a conversation around what the co-parenting situation looks like. 
Um, so I have my kids uh, 50% of the time. So I have them uh, on a seven-day fortnight. We alternate weekends and, and then the mm. weekdays sort of fluctuate. With my um, ex-wife and I actually have a spreadsheet, but it actually works really well. So it's all very much planned out and we can plan it down to the day around who's going to have who when. So it works really well. Oh, yeah. And um, and then I have that conversation with the women that uh, potentially might go on a date. So scenario, you're going out a couple times with someone else who has kids and you have kids. So how how does that work? It can be it can be challenging. So even just from the beginning, um, like I'm chatting to someone with at the moment, and she has a son 50 percent of the time. But I don't know whether her weekend off um, lines up with my week weekend off. Um, and or whether our weekdays align. So um, I'm going to find that out, that information out soon. Um, I've met some really nice women uh, online that I wanted to meet up with, but we worked out that we either didn't have any days that aligned or we might have like one day per fortnight or something like that. And it just makes it really, really hard. Um, and then also I was thinking even if you it does align a little bit just to line up in your overall life, you know, I'm a big proponent, I think you are too, around momentum in dating and it can be really hard to keep that up if you have date two on here but you're not having date three to almost two weeks later or something like that because your schedules don't align. So, Do you FaceTime or like how do you keep the momentum up between all that? Because that's like inevitable. You're going to run into that no matter what. Yeah, that's that's one that I'm trying to really try and work on and see what is the best way to approach that. Recently, when I, I've been on a, a few dates with someone, we were texting every day, trying to keep in touch, and that seemed to work quite well, although the, the date um, thereafter wasn't great. But um, I have done um, FaceTimes and things like that as well, and phone calls. So I want to try and balance it where you can keep that momentum but not sort of cover too much that when you go do go on that date, you are sort of stuck with things to talk about to sort of thread that needle a little bit. So I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was texting with people, I didn't retain anything. Like I <sighs> didn't remember anything we talked about really. If we were having a very long conversation, that's so I just stopped. I was like, I can't remember anything you're saying to me. I'm like watching TV, you know, not focusing. Yeah. Oh my goodness, this is this reminds me of the worst story. And I feel like the worst person um for this, but <laughs> well now you gotta share. <laughs> I, I remember I had a phone call um with the girl before we met up for a first date last year and we were and we got talking about um uh, her father passed away many years ago as as did as did my father. And so we sort of had a bond over over that. Um but then we met up um on our date. It was like a week before Father's Day. And I'd got that information mixed up with someone else I'd been talking to. And so on our date, I said, have you got much planned for Father's Day? And as soon as I said that, and her, she goes, oh, no, my father passed away, remember? And then I'm like, oh, my God, what have I done? And uh, That is so said, awkward. You're not a horrible person. That happens. Yeah, People get mixed uh, up. I've so- definitely been there. That's a, defi- that's a little rough. Yeah. I've definitely been on dates for us, like, asking about their sibling that they don't have. Like, you know, <laughs> or something like that. I know. Yeah. Uh, oh. I, felt, I, I felt so bad and um, surprisingly, surprisingly, she didn't want to see me again, but um, she was pretty cool about it. But, yeah, yeah. it wasn't, wasn't my, um, my crowning moment, that's for sure. So that's a question. Are you open about dating multiple people? Like, do you communicate that with the women you're matching with and talking to? Not explicitly, um, and they haven't really with me, but I guess the way I see it, it's almost sort of implied with anyone such as the nature of modern dating that everyone Agreed. I just assume that everyone's talking to everyone everyone's dating everyone until yeah. we have a conversation <laughs> around exclusivity that's, that's the way to of, go 
it's sort of my assumption going in. So, which is still a bit of a weird situation to sort of get in a mindset of speaking to someone and then two nights later you might be meeting up with someone else and and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, that's sort of the way that I approach it. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm with you on that. I think it's just better to go in knowing everyone is just out there dating each other until you talk about it. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you're you know, it doesn't mean it's a competition. It doesn't mean you're like a bad option or something. I don't know. Like you're still worth it. <laughs> even if people are talking to multiple people. Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic. I guess it does get a little bit competitive in some respects, but I totally. guess it's, it's just, it's just the nature of the beast, I guess. And yeah. um, that's, yeah. Cause I guess so, in, in these gone, these gone past, if you were meeting out people face to face, you wouldn't have multiple conversations. People would just be one person at a time, but I guess apps just enable this dynamic. Yeah, I definitely was aware of a competition, but I feel like for guys, it's even more competitive. So do you do anything on the apps to stand out? Like, do you, like, do you feel like you have any openers or like things that you know you're doing that make you make someone want to actually chat with you? Well, actually, um, definitely with openers. So from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I feel that uh, we, women tend to get definitely a lot more um, likes um, on the on right. apps and what the what men do and, and typically there's more men on the apps than women so it is harder to stand out so I have to try and bit in, put in a bit more thought around that particularly hinge is probably a bit of an easy one because you can comment on prompts and quite personalized but on something like um tinder can be a real challenge so I try and make it something unique to their profile something a little bit of humor something that's a little bit different than the 10 other guys that are saying hey or something something of that nature you know right so, right I mean, that's what works, right? Like people want to know that you are actually reading the profile, looking at it and, you know, you're, you're attentive versus just people blindly swiping, copy pasting stuff. Like there's so much of that. Yeah, exactly. And then I might use some particular opening lines and to see how they go, if they get good response. And if they do, then I continue to use them. If they don't, then I'll try something else. Like, yeah, that's, I think a lot of people need to apply that in their app at usage and dating. It's like, you can test things. You know, I and I forget what you said your background is. We don't have to say what it is, but like I have a marketing background and it's like, hey, you can test different copy like and see what gets a reaction because all you're trying to do is stand out. You know, you're not like tricking anyone. You're just literally just trying to start a conversation amongst the sea of people also trying to start a conversation. That's exactly it. It's it's just getting that first interaction and then transitioning to a conversation and going from there. It's just like a yeah. little hook to start a conversation, nothing right. more. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love your attitude. I feel like you're so level-headed about this and you're just, you just get it. It's great. I wanted to ask you, how do you have time to use apps with being a dad and like work and everything else? It's not easy. Uh, Typically I use them more um, at night and I guess that's the typical trend for people to use them in sort of those peak times um, in the evening. And um, if possible, I try to catch um, women if they're online at the same time. You can have more of a live chat rather than having the back and forth day by day. So you can sort of um, shorten the the chat time and, and lead to a date quicker. But um, but I do try and I am usually quite a responsive texter, so I, I tend to also um, check in maybe during the day to see if anything's coming through as well. So that's one of the things I think helps me is I'm a little bit more responsive than maybe other guys who maybe take longer time to reply yeah i think that's a really big thing i also think people don't have notifications on on these apps and it's another reason why they either feel like they're no one's responding or they're not remembering to respond to people <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah yeah you actually open it every day and go on and respond 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't have the notifications set up and I find a majority of women that I speak to probably don't. Some I can tell do because they respond quite quickly, but um, I, I did, would find I did. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did for yeah. I did on and off. Like and I think at the towards the end it was better that I did because I was so busy that I really did need the notification. Yeah. Yeah. And you can sort of gauge someone's sort of engagement level with the whole process as well on depending how um quickly they'll reply. Because some will say, I'm I'm never on here much and they'll reply three or four days later, which that's fine, but um it's probably easier to have a conversations with people that are going to be a bit more responsive than that. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I want to switch gears here because we do have a lot of questions for you okay. from Instagram. Are you ready? Uh, some of stuff we've already gone over, but the listeners and the audience on Instagram are mostly women. So it's like, whenever we have the chance to pick a guy's brain, it's always like, tell us everything. <laughs> I'll <laughs> tell do us my best. Your ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, okay. So someone asked like, when do you bring up the D word? I assume divorce. I usually let them know up front, but without details. What do you think about that? Uh, it, I guess it's sort of inferred being that I'm, Okay. Yeah. The assumption is usually it, um, I have that situation being that I'm a single parent, but it isn't necessarily the case. I know I've I've met a woman that had uh, a child via donor, so she mm-hmm. didn't actually have an ex. Um, and I also met another woman once who um, her partner passed away, so she didn't have an ex as well. But yeah, it's something I bring up pretty early on in a chat, and then usually on the first date, that'd be something that we would um, probably talk a little bit more about on the date and it's a topic I'd usually bring up in a, a sort of an open-ended question um, but leave the person to talk about as much as they, as they wanted to depending on how comfortable comfortable they were in, in sharing so right how important is it that someone's comfortable talking about it with you on the first date I probably don't I don't mind as much on the first date because first dates uh, can be quite awkward at times and they can be a little bit performative and that sort of thing so um, I don't take too much stock in um, how deep they're willing to share then. But I'm guessing for subsequent dates, you'd be looking for something a little bit more to sort of find out more about their past. And right. um, Yeah, you mm. expect them to open up a little more every time you meet. Yeah. 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 Okay, so someone asked, what is an immediate no from you as a dad on someone's profile other than maybe like, I don't want kids, I don't want anything to do with children kind of thing? uh it's pretty you know um i don't smoke so non-smoker if someone is i know some women are wanting to really travel a lot say immediately um then for me that's probably not going to work with my situation being it's a little bit more complex so that might be more of a a red flag as well not that i don't like traveling i do but given my situation it's a little bit tough right it's like you self-qualifying it's like oh they're Mm. looking for um a jet setter and that's just not me right now (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, th- I think it's sort of the main ones. Um, and definitely if someone did want to date with someone with kids or what, one that I find out that comes up quite a lot, particularly in, in this sort of the demographic to which I um, interact with, is um, a lot of women still want kids, even into their late 30s, or early 40s. And I don't want any more children. So that's clearly not going to work. Oh, that's a good one to think about. Yeah. I mean, look, this is again, like people ask me, like, should I have this on my profile? And here's a perfect example of like, yes, you need to have these preferences otherwise you're going to waste everyone's time because you need you need to put it out there like what you're looking for now and not be ashamed of it don't be worried if it's going to scare someone off because it'll attract the right people and repel the people you don't want to talk to so yeah 100 like, you're definitely Absolutely. a great example of this someone wrote is he from melbourne i'm interested 
<laughs> I love it. Like, I like don't even share a picture or like anything. <laughs> it's just, are there more single men or women in Melbourne? I don't know. Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm guessing it would be relatively even, but um, I haven't looked into the stats on that. I'd be interested to find out. Are there any like Melbourne dating stereotypes? Like I feel like in Seattle, the stereotype for the men is like they're either going to work at Amazon or some big tech company and they're going to have like, they're going to be either into bouldering or D&D. It's like <laughs> one of the others. So, yeah, yeah. Like are there any stereotypes for like the men or women in Melbourne? I think with the men, I don't think there's stereotypes as such, but I was speaking to a friend who's going through a similar situation as me and she, what she was saying, so you've got say like a subset of men that are like me that are sort of say have corporate jobs and then you've got say men that do trades like electrician, plumber, that sort of thing. Um, and so that really tends to um, have a difference between what sort of careers they have and that's sort of a, a big um, example I can give and, and how different those sort of guys might be from ones that are more like me right yeah yeah that seems to be something across the board it's always interesting to like like New York has like Wall Street bros and then you know kind of thing that's like what it's what New York is known for okay here's a really interesting one so is it fair to consider the health of like you and your ex's relationship when deciding to pursue someone or not like do you think it matters like how amicable you and your ex are like maybe someone you're dating and their ex like do you take that into account that's a really good question and I think you do to some degree and my ex and I are really amicable so it's it's easy to talk about our whole process we haven't involved any lawyers or courts or anything like that so it's been a really sort of seamless um uh, situation, but I've known people and come across people where it hasn't, they haven't been so fortunate to go through that. So I think um, until you know more, it's hard to make too much of a judgment. Definitely, but what people say in the beginning can give you a bit of an idea. And I'm guessing, like, if I was on a date with someone and I said, Oh, my ex is crazy or something like that, that would be a, a big red flag. Um, and for me, if someone else said that about theirs, but it's definitely something to pay notice to and be interested to hear sort of the background of that as well. Wow. That makes me think of my dad who is single and he's in his sixties and he does like my parents don't talk. And I'm like wondering if women judge him. <laughs> it's great that you guys are amicable. Have you introduced anyone to your kids yet? No, not yet. So my ex and I had sort of talked around how that might work and how much time would have to pass between meeting someone and when we would introduce. And right. what we talked around was probably around about that six month mark of when because you don't want to have people coming in and out of their life and they're not going to understand and, and things like that and, and from what I've seen and podcasts I've listened to and with psychologists and child psychologists and things like that seems to be sort of around about six months or more might be a sort of a, a good time to leave it until you introduce someone so that's sort of the, the way that I'm approaching it all right that makes a lot of sense and yeah I feel like that's pretty like standard um I know for me my, my parents you know I, I was older when they got divorced I was already like in college so I didn't meet that many people of my parents (laughs) but yeah it's I guess yeah any age is kind of like gotta be careful okay kind of switching gears here but it's just a question I had paying on dates what is your take what's your your rules around this I always pay on the first date um I I just think I don't have it. Sometimes um, some women have offered to go half, so I don't really mind, but I'm just happy to go on the first date. And I would say the vast majority of first dates that I go on aren't dinner, so it's not 
a big deal and it's pretty inexpensive and I really don't mind. And that's sort of almost the table stakes in a way, so I don't mind. But having said that, going past into maybe second or third date, it is nice to see if, if she is willing to contribute in some way. So initially I'm, I'm happy to do that, but as it goes along, um, it would be nice but not necessarily expected if she can contribute in some way. Right. That's really interesting. And what's your favorite first date right now that you're really enjoying? Uh, typically, I try and do something a bit lighter, um, either, you know, be like a standard coffee or a drink or something like that. I am trying to do being that it's it's summer here to do things that are more activity based. So there's um, night markets on in the city um, before Christmas. That's a great date idea. Google night market in your city if you're listening to figure that out because it's super fun. Oh, 100%. And then before Christmas, there was a lot of Christmas stuff on as well. And um, so I mean, I'm, I'm constantly looking for things and ideas and activities away from the standard coffee or a drink. Um, it's not always possible and depending on schedules and that sort of thing. Um, but I That's try cool. to do that if I can. I think as a woman, creativity always a plus. Uh, of course, you can go the other way and get a little too out there. <laughs> but it sounds like you're not in danger of that. Do you always plan it or like do you sometimes leave it up to them to plan? I can't think of a date where I haven't planned the first date. Do you wish mm. that someone else would? I sort of did for a while, but what I've done is I've sort of locked in, say, six or so places around this side of where I live. And so depending on where the other person lives, I can say, hey, let's go here. And so I've been to the, all these places multiple times. I love it. The, the staff is like, there's Scott. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, I'd definitely be on first name basis by now. Um, but the, part of it is so I don't have to make the decision all the time. I already sort of know. But also another part of it is I know if the place is any good or not. I know the vibe. I know where to sit. So sort of that sort of, it means it's conducive to having a good time as well. So. So true. That is such, I don't feel like that's not talked about enough. Like you really know these places, like knowing where to sit. Oh my God. Yes. That's like the dream, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's a um, wine bar slash um, wood-fired pizza place I've been to at least six or seven times by now. Um, and one day it was like in a booth, but it, we were sitting opposite each other and the tables were quite wide. So it was a little bit awkward, but there's other places where you can sit where you're sort of more adjacent to each other, which is much better. So I sort of I love it. I could like I see you walking in with someone and be like, she'll be like, let's get the booth. And you're like, no, this is better. <laughs> yeah, <let's laughs> I love it. This way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Pizza wine bar sounds like an amazing date as well. What are you working on right now? Like personally in dating? So I feel like dating really is a self-development journey, no matter what you're doing. So what do you feel like you're really working on at this time? I think the biggest thing for me is that I found, and part of this probably my experience and having not dating for so long, um, and so my dating sort of muscle was uh, a little bit weak. I was getting not getting a lot of second dates, and so I've been trying to look at why that was the case, and then doing what I could to try and um, improve that. Um, okay, so what did that look like? Like, why do you so think you weren't getting second dates initially? I I think. It was probably the nature of the topics that were coming up. I, I sort of just let it go whichever way, but I realised well, a lot of the time we would, say, get stuck talking about um, what we did for work, which isn't a bad thing and it is interesting to hear about people and, and get to know people, what they do, that sort of thing, but it's not an, necessarily an exciting topic to talk about. It's not like you're going to say, hey, I met this guy the other night and he and we talked to him for an hour about our jobs or something like that. It's not going to be, it's not going to be memorable. 
Sorry, I've you're been spot a on. Just pause for a second because everyone listening, yeah. do not talk about work a lot on the first date. Say what you do, describe it, like spend five minutes on it max. You know, it's nice to have that context, but the, like you are so much more interesting than your job. So yeah, I agree. So that that was that was one that definitely dawned on me. Another thing, um, I've been a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more open. So I've I've gone on a real sort of self development over the past. 12 months, um, like I'm in therapy and um, I've done a lot of sort of self-work. So I'm very, I used to be a little bit closed off and talking about that, but I'm a lot more open talking about that. Amazing. And what yeah. it, and what I've noticed is that's really resonated really, really well. And a lot of the feedback I get is really rare for guys to to do that. So I think they're sort of take, a bit taken aback that someone is doing that. Um, so awesome. that, that's been good as well. Okay. So I'm hearing that you're, you notice certain topics will work better on a first date versus work and other, you know, yeah, it's like work is so boring. You're not going on a date to like talk about work and then opening up more, getting a little more vulnerable, but not oversharing. Right. It's like, cause you're no, not right. therapy sessions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to be um, very nuanced in what you share, but yeah, yeah. when I, when I say that I'm, I'm sort of speaking sort of in general terms and not into specific, and then we go from there. And I guess if you go into subsequent dates, you can sort of delve into that a bit more, but it's an initial get to know you it's it's more in general terms do you feel like it's working do you feel like you've gotten on more second dates the last four or five women that i've been on first dates with have gone to second dates so that's awesome that's amazing good for you this is again dating like you have every every date is another way chance to improve to learn to experiment that's why for me it was so fun i was just testing things constantly like talking about different things like you were saying um yeah there's a lot you can play with and figure out what actually works. Absolutely. And I think that comes back to that discussion around uh, whether dating is like a numbers game or whether it's a skill. And I'd argue it's a bit of both because you need the numbers in order to meet a lot of people and see what you like and don't like and learn a bit about yourself. Um, but also as part of that that process, you can improve that skill because I, I'm not someone, say, that's naturally charismatic, but that's an area I can prove upon and present my best self when I'm on a date with someone. Yeah. I mean, for this conversation, I think you'd be a great first date. Uh, you have Talia seal of approval. On that. <laughs> um, I'll let that to my profiles. Yeah. Please, please. Oh um, I wanted to ask you, speaking of that, what are some green flags you look for on a first date? Like, what are you picking up on? Uh, definitely a big one. Well, I, I've, I've noticed that I'm attracted to people, um, to women that are intelligent. So I, I definitely gravitate towards that. And I think that's where I've gravitated towards women who tend to work in certain careers. It's also been a little bit challenging because they're very into their careers. It'd be harder for them to carve out time in order to date someone. Um, and another big one for me um, is empathy as well. So um, and a good way to, to gauge that is we bring up certain topics and see how they respond to that. Um, and then I can sort of gauge of how that might, that might work. Love that. Yeah. That's, I like that you just said two things. Very simple. You're not like coming in with this list of like, you didn't mention anything physical, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. What, how do you feel about attraction on first dates or early stage dating? Uh, I'm, I think I'm pretty aligned with you on this one. I think it's massively overrated. Yeah. It's, I think it's one of the things that people sort of look for and, and look up in the same way, but we don't really know we look, why we look for it. It's just sort of almost the standard is, oh, I want to, feel spark connection chemistry whatever but 
uh, that can certainly that can wane over time, but also can grow over time. And I tend to have the the mindset where I almost default to a second date um, unless I can tell it's just clearly not not working. So yeah. that's where I tend to go to. Um, I find that really interesting because from what I've heard, like talking to guys my age and like like I think of my brother's little younger and his friends, they basically say they are attracted to like everyone they go out with right away, and or like they literally won't even swipe right on a girl there that they wouldn't be attracted to kind of thing so i find that interesting i think i don't know if it's like really different for men and women i do think it's it, it is overrated all around at, at first but yeah that's really interesting yeah it's 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 a funny one i think um and it applies to both genders and people could give people more of a chance to get to show themselves and not necessarily base even off their profile because people 3d people they're experiential not just a 2d profile but also um, people might take a little bit of time to maybe come out of their shell, um, maybe to sort of convey a little bit of their sense of humour. I've noticed okay. that some women um, definitely like sense of humour, but that might not always be present on the first date as much as it might be on a second or third date. So Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think of my boyfriend, like on his profile, there wasn't a shred of humour. It was very dry. And then I talked to him, he's like, constantly cracking jokes like I barely know when he's serious you know um, so yeah, yeah. Like, you just need to give people a chance because you just don't know what you're gonna get um Absolutely. I want to wrap it up uh with you kind of did tell us a funny bad kind of date fumble but do you have yeah. any date stories of note that you would probably not want to relive again <laughs> or um. or you can share the riskiest thing you've done kind of like on a date or something kind of ballsy that you've done um i haven't i haven't had that many bad experiences or anything like that i know i did have a date where and it was at the um aforementioned wine bar and and pizza place oh no which which i'd been to many times i knew the area um but i had a date and i went back to my car and for some reason i parked in the wrong area and i got a parking fine and it was 180 dollars so then only did the date not go well but I ended up with a fine, even though I knew the area. And I think I'd parked there like five minutes too early or something like that. And Oh, no. So was, was there, there at least there was... a second date? No. It wasn't <laughs> no. even an investment? <laughs> no, it was an investment in my education and not to See, park on that side of the road. <laughs> if, it, if it worked out, that would have been part of the cute story of like, and I, exactly. I paid an extra $180 that I would do it again. <laughs> exactly. I can't, I can't even use that. I know. I know. <laughs> I can't, I've definitely been there with parking tickets on dates. A hundred percent. I think so, I, I went out with a guy who got like a $7 parking ticket and I, I think I told him where to park. So I may have paid it. <laughs> $7. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hyper-focused on that. I'm very, very, very careful. And I commit not to do that again. Is Melbourne just horrible for parking? It can be, depending on yeah. location, absolutely can be. And that's why I'm really, that's sort of um, the places that I've chosen I go to, I know where to go for what parking that's is That's really like why you well. chose them. <laughs> <laughs> and I noticed that most of the um, women that I go on dates just end up being late because they go, oh, sorry, I'm just trying to find a park, okay. somewhere to park. <laughs> oh, wait, hot tip for you then. Tell them where to park. That is so thoughtful. I've had guys yeah. do that. I've had guys do that to me on dates and I loved it. I was like... They knew I was going to stress about this. Great. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. A yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Like you can be like, I'm heading over there, by the way. I like to park over here. Like just in case you have trouble finding a spot. I don't know. Don't make good it idea. weird. Like park here and I'm going to follow you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know this area I'll be really waiting. well. Yeah. 
Um, wow, Scott, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. I feel like I learned a lot of, about dating as a dad, dating after a separation. Like this has been so amazing and I hope the listeners get a lot out of it. Yeah, I hope so. It's been fun. Um, I've, I've got to chat with you and I love your content. I love your podcast. So I'm glad it's doing well and yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to talk to you. Awesome. Thank you. After our recording, Scott did want me to mention that he and his ex-wife are amicable and get along fine while co-parenting. This is relevant because he spoke about how being amicable with an ex, especially when co-parenting, is a huge green flag. What I loved about this conversation with Scott was his intentionality. He's open and honest from the beginning with the people he talks to and meets up with. He has favorite date spots ready to go, which helps him reduce his decision fatigue around dating. And he's realistic about the time he can spend on dating while also having a full-time job and being a dad. He actually works himself in therapy, and he noticed what he can do to improve his dates by being more open and avoiding dry topics like work. I really appreciated his honesty. I found this conversation so insightful, and I hope you did too. By the way, if you are actively dating and want to apply to be on the podcast, head over to Instagram, find me at dating.intentionally, and click on the bio link. The application's in there. I don't have a website yet, but I will. All right, let's get into this personal update slash funny story. I want to talk about what happened when I met GB's parents for the first time about six months ago over Christmas. If you're new, GB stands for Green Bubble. It is the nickname slash codename that I gave my now boyfriend when we met seven months ago off of Hinge. So that's what GB is. Meeting the parents is a big deal. Uh, Christmas isn't a huge deal in GB's family, but I feel like meeting the parents around holidays is pretty loaded and pretty like intense. Here's the original plan we had. I was going to road trip down to LA where his family is uh, and slowly make my way down. And he was going to fly on Christmas Eve Eve. And then we were going to meet up together on Christmas Eve at his family's place, enjoy the holiday. And then we were going to drive back up north to see my family. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward, great plan. Of course, that did not end up happening at all. If you recall, during Christmas, there was a travel disaster and planes were grounded. All the flights were canceled. There was crazy weather. It was a mess. And of course, we got caught up in it too. I was lucky to leave Seattle a day before the weather hit. So I was already in Oregon and like pretty much in California by the time GB was calling me and telling me that his first flight was canceled. Boo. So I continue to make my way down to his parents, towards his parents, just in case he's able to get a flight out. He was able to book something out on Christmas Day, but alas, it was canceled as well. So here I am, three hours away by car uh, from his parents, and I had a decision make. And I'm wondering, what would you do? Either you can turn around and just go back, you know, back up north to your family where you're supposed to be, or you can go visit and meet your boyfriend or partner's parents without them for the first time. (laughs) Can you guess what I did? Of course, I went to go meet them. And I had to. I had a whole box of presents for like everyone in his family from GB and myself. Um, So I decided to roll up for Christmas dinner. I enjoyed dinner with his family without him. We sent him food. We all had a laugh about it. We all embraced the awkwardness and it was fine. I feel very brave for doing this. I don't recommend meeting the parents this way, but it all worked out fine. And I really like his parents. I think his, I hope his parents like me. Um, I had met his sister before, so that was cool. 
and coconut was there they had a bunch of dogs there was like more dogs than humans and it was a great time they gave me presents i collected all the presents for gp and it was great the icing on the cake though was that i also got to play cards against humanity with his parents and sister if you're not familiar with cards against humanity it's a card game that involves very raunchy saucy spicy sayings and curse words and it's like pretty it's it's pretty dirty <laughs> um, it's pretty yeah uh it's definitely not the ideal card game to play with in-law type people you know like the parents of your significant other but that's the vibe and i just roll with it and i think there's a lesson there you know just things some, you gotta embrace the awkwardness sometimes and just get over it because really it turned out fine i'm excited to meet them again hopefully gb will be there next time of course, he eventually did show up to California and met my parents, and it was great. Other cool things that happened over Christmas break, uh, GB asked me to move in with him at some point, and I said yes, of course, and that was really cool that he kind of formally asked me. He officially like asked the question. It wasn't like a discussion. He was like, hey, do you want to move in with me in three to six months? And I was like, yes, of course. Um, another fun thing we did was we made a joint calendar so yeah, things are getting pretty serious. Like we have a joint calendar now, uh, which is so fun. I love it. It meant so much to me to kind of really think about each other and prioritize each other in how in our kind of weekly and monthly and yearly like timelines. It's pretty cool. We sat down and planned out our trips and weddings and all the things we have to do throughout the whole year, like throughout 2023 together. And that was incredible. I mean, that's my dream relationship right there, like is being able to look down, look sit down look at the calendar plan things out put it you know if it's not on the calendar it's not real in my eyes so that meant a lot we have trips planned we're going to new york later in 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 the spring early summer we might go somewhere in october it's just i'm so happy and uh, i hope that me be happy after finding someone on the apps inspires you got to keep going I hope you enjoyed this conversation with our guest Scott and my little update. I want to remind you that you are doing great. Once again, I'm Talia and this has been Dating Intentionally. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Your feedback means a ton to me and it helps me make this podcast as helpful as possible. I'll catch you next time.